Praise the Lord. Can I get a good, loud, heartfelt, praise the Lord. Come on now. Praise the Lord. I don't care if this is Wednesday night. He deserves our praise. He is worthy of glory. And we need to lift his name up whenever we have an opportunity. So tonight, um, I know there's a mess on stage. And uh, I thought that I could handle all this stuff up here while I speak. So, But if it's okay with you, I need to just take a minute and clear some of this stuff out because uh, I can't do what I need to do with it up here. So um, I've talked to a few people beforehand. Will, would you come up here and uh, just get one, get one of these trash bags, anyone you want. Uh, and let's, let's clear up this stage. Uh, Sean, where you at, Sean? You come up here and get a bag. And when you get your bag, um, if you would, just take it back to your seat, hang on to it, watch it, make sure it no, doesn't go anywhere, because we're going to take care of it later. Sandra, can you come up here and help me fill up one of these trash bags? I'm sorry. I know this is distracting, and but I, I've got to do it or... I can't, I can't go any further with this. Here you go. Thank you so much, Sandra. How about Tanya? Tanya, come on up. Uh, get you one of these trash bags and take it with you. Amanda, come get one of these bags. Fill it up with trash, boxes, Whatever's up here, and take it back to your seat with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Shelly? Where's Shelly? Shelly, come on up here. Uh, there's plenty of trash, rubble to get up here. I don't know if we'll get it all cleared out, but we'll do our best. I don't want to take a bunch of time here because... There's a word that the Lord has given me to give to you. Jason, Jason, come up here and get a bag and take it back to your seat with you. Keith, come on up here, Keith. Get this trash bag and get as many boxes in there. Trash that you can. Thank you. I appreciate it. Tracy, if you could come up here and just help me, I'm going to hand you this trash and if you would just take it back to your seat. Thank you so much. Looks a little bit better. I can deal with this now. But I don't know if you figured out by now, but tonight I want to talk to you about distractions that can control our perspective from God's truth. And I want to tell you that this is just not a devotion because I have lived this devotion, I think, for an entire year about what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. 
So the meaning of distraction is something that prevents someone from giving their full attention to something else. If you want to follow along, I'm going to be speaking out of the book of Nehemiah about God's people who were distracted and discouraged and almost gave up hope in rebuilding the walls that would protect them against the enemy's attack around Jerusalem. Nehemiah, I want to give you a little history on Nehemiah. He was a great leader who God used to pull off a massive task. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. He instilled a vision in God's remnant in Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city. A previous attempt had been made to rebuild the walls, but was stopped due to complaints from the Samaritans and other pagan residents. And God used Nehemiah, who knew and felt their need. He wept. He mourned, he fasted, and he prayed for days about what God had spoken to his heart about rebuilding these walls. And despite the distractions and attacks to stop Nehemiah, he could never get rebuilding the walls out of his mind. And God used that burden as the basis for action. If you'll go, if you want to follow along with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 very quickly. In verse 1, it says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah, Samaritan leaders and enemies of the Jews, heard that the Jews were rebuilding the walls, they became furious and completely enraged when they heard that a man named Nehemiah wanted to help them. And they ridiculed the Jews. They laughed at them. They mocked them. They made fun of them. Has anybody ever made fun of you? Then you know what he felt like or what they felt like. So Sanballat and Tobiah were furious that Nehemiah wanted to help the Jews. They could not do anything about it, though, because Nehemiah and the Jews had legal protection from the king. And all the enemy could do was to scorn and discourage them. Can I tell you tonight that discouragement is a powerful weapon and is a we- it is the opposite of faith. Where faith believes God and his love and promises discouragement, looks for and believes the worst, and tends to forget about who God is and what he has promised to do. We work differently under faith than discouragement. We pray differently under faith than discouragement. We read and we hear differently under faith than discouragement. We see and we hear differently under faith than we do discouragement. And this is the enemy's plans for us. He wants to keep us down. He wants us to keep us discouraged. He wants us to lose our focus and he wants to keep us defeated here in our minds. So in verse 2, Tobiah spoke before his brothers and the army of Samaria. What are these feeble Jews doing? Can they restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the heaps of dust and rubbish, even the ones that have been burned? 
And in verse 3, now Tobiah said, even what they are building, if a fox should get up on it, he would break it down, would break down their stone. These taunting and demoralizing words were heard by the Jews and they lost their focus. They became discouraged, which is exactly what Tobiah was hoping to do, to stop the work of rebuilding the wall. The enemy wants to stop you. The enemy wants to stop your purpose. He'll do anything that he can to discourage you to stop, to give up, to quit. But Tobiah made a huge mistake. He called the wall their stone wall, and it wasn't their wall at all, but God's. He was criticizing God's wall and God's work. And today, the enemy wants us to think that he's in control, but can I tell you, he is not in control. Our God has the final word. Today, the enemy wants to make us feel like we have no hope, but despite what we may hear, despite what we may see, today, God is moving, revival is happening, and God is about to show himself in a mighty way. It's going to happen. Wait and see. I'll give you an example of that that I've used before in California. Of all places that I have called the Sodom and Gomorrah of today, there's a revival happening. Mario Murillo, he started out, he's had, and he's still having tent revivals, but they're so big now, he can't find a big enough tent. He first revival, he started out with 35 pastors helping him in California. The second tent revival he has had had 75. The last tent revival he had, he had 385 pastors gather and bind with him in prayer to have revival. And can I tell you, miracles is happening today. God is moving despite what we see on the news, what we hear from people, the discouraging junk that we hear from all around us. God is moving and God is working. And I want to encourage you with that word tonight. So verse 4 says, so Nehemiah prayed, Hear, O God, how are we despised? Return their taunts on their own head and give them up as prey in the land of captivity. Verse 5 says, don't forgive their wrongdoing and do not let their sin be wiped out before you for they have offended the builders and they have provoked you. So Nehemiah did not debate or deal with their enemies directly, but instead he did what he was supposed to do. He took it to God in prayer. And in his prayer, Nehemiah first asked for God's attention and he asked for God's mercy. God cared about Nehemiah and the work of rebuilding the walls, but Nehemiah needed a sense to sense God's presence and to sense his care. So Nehemiah then asked and depended on God to battle their enemies for them. God gave him a work to do and Nehemiah would not be distracted from it. 
in verse 6. So we built the walls and the entire walls was joined together to half its height for the people had a heart to work. And when Nehemiah spoke up, the workers' eyes became focused on God's leader rather than on their critics. And as a result, the work on the wall continued on with greater and greater strength. And their discouragement turned to a mind of work. Today, the day we're living, our minds needs to be turned to a mind of work for the Lord. Not sitting down, not giving in, but having our mind focused on the Lord and not on the things around us. And although this was exciting, the walls were only half finished and there was much left to do. Fatigue and discouragement set back in. They had, hard, they had worked so hard, but their eyes could only see the mounds of rubbish and trash that was still left for them to deal with. In verse 7, but when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches were being closed, they once again were very angry because they couldn't stop it. Verse 8, then they all conspired together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance there. And as the work of the wall moved forward, their enemies became more serious and now it was beyond words and the threats became a plan of violence. This, is, this was serious because the walls were built to protect the attacks and it was only half done, and now it seemed that the unfinished wall would prompt an attack. But the enemy did not attack. They just talked about it, hoping that the threat would be enough. Satan uses the same strategy of fear against us, and if we are paralyzed by a threat, then the threat has worked. A fearful Distracted and confused people will never move forward to fulfill God's work. In verse 9 it says, But we pray to our God, and because of the enemy, we set up a guard against them day and night. Nehemiah was determined that he would not let the security of daylight or night keep him from God's work. And this sent a message of commitment to the people. Nehemiah prayed, and he knew that God would protect them. So with prayer, they acted and set up a watch to protect against attack until the walls were built. In verse 10, is which is the verse I want to focus on, it says, Then the leaders of Judah said, The strength of the burden bearers is failing, and there is much rubble. We ourselves are unable to. To rebuild the wall. In verse 10, we see that Judah was the, at the lowest points in their spirits. The rebuilding of the walls was not only construction, but cleaning and hauling away garbage, trash. Because for about a hundred years, it had become a collecting point for all kinds of trash. The trash had to be cleared away so that the walls could be rebuilt on their foundations. And if they did not do this, the walls 
would not stand. Fatigue set in again. And as the builders, Judah was feeble and did not have the best materials to work with. And they became discouraged. They became overwhelmed by the pile of garbage that they stopped building the walls. And all they could focus on was the massive task instead of God and his provision. This lying and discouraging attack neglected the great truth. God was with them. He had promised to see them through and despite the opposition and many hurdles. The task of rebuilding the walls was accomplished in an amazing 52 days. So just as it is for them, our greatest battle is our minds. And if the enemy can distract our focus, he can get us to the place where we believe the lies. Let me explain to you how the enemy works in your mind. First, there is a thought and we have a choice to accept it or reject it. Second, if you accept the thought and continue to dwell over and over, it will then take root in you. And at this point, it becomes normal to you. And the longer you entertain the thought, you will begin to make mental plans on how you should act on the thought, causing you to make erratic and unstable choices. Once the enemy is able to deceive you with this thought, he will come back to you again and again and again to this area. And I wasn't going to do this, and the Lord's telling me that I need to tell this. I want to give you a re, uh, an illustration of the thought process. Some of you may or may know that some of my battles in my life as a Christian has been insecurity, intimidation. Uh, I had a turbulent home life full of fighting and shouting, which affected me greatly. And the result of this, and in any conversation to this day, if I get involved with a person who raises their voice to me in an aggressive way, I'm gonna shut down. And you're either gonna see tears you're going to see me walk out, or you're just going to see me be silent. A situation happened last August of 2020, and it was an unexpected attack from the enemy because it happened by a very, very close friend of mine who doesn't live in this state that I had went to speak at a, a women's conference at. And I love this man dearly, let me just say that. We had a great time in the Lord. The Lord directed me what to speak on. He told me exactly what to do, how to do the altar service. And I listened, and I obeyed, and I came home. Two days later, my phone rang, and I picked it up, and I thought it was just a normal call to say, hey, appreciate the word, appreciate you being there, which he did, it did start out as a good conversation, but in a very aggressive tone with me, he began telling me of things I should have done and should not have done. 
this devastated me. Not only coming from him, but to come from a place where you think that you have heard the Lord and you know that's what he's directed you to do. So this thought played on, this conversation played on over and over and over and over. I dissected, I tried to rationalize it, but all it do, did was cause depression. It caused discouragement. I felt like a failure. I kept speaking death into my life. You're a failure. You're not enough. I kept comparing myself to other people. Maybe I should have done different. You should just stop getting up and speak. And at one point, I had, I had the phone to call Randy and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. I quit. I can't do it. The action that I took was I pretty much, I gave up. I sat back. I didn't participate in a lot of things. And at that point, and that was one going to call Randy, was one of the erratic, sporadic actions that I was about to do and to make. But the Lord began to speak to my heart. And I'm telling you, you need to learn to identify when the enemy is attacking you. God will not speak negative things to you. He wants blessings, goodness, hope. He wants everything for you. He loves you so much that he died a cruel death upon a cross. Don't let the enemy deceive your thoughts and your perceptions because when it comes down to it, the perceptions that I got into my head over time, they were wrong. They were not right. This man did not mean to hurt me at all, but I took everything that the enemy negative was pouring in and it made it out to be like it, it was an attack from him. That was my insecurity creeping back in. I want to say to you, the enemy will taunt you he will ridicule you. He will demoralize you. He will make fun of you. And he will attempt to make you feel powerless. Distractions. We can count on them and we must be prepared on how to overcome them. And if we do not keep our attention on God today, we're going to miss out on what God wants to accomplish. Not only through us, but in this church. We must focus on God's word and his truth. The meaning of truth is God's opinion on any matter. We want his truth. We need his truth. We need his opinion on every matter in my life because it's biblical truth. We can stand on it. We can count on it. We know that it's true. John 8, 31, 32 says, If you abide in me and my word and know the truth, that the truth will what? Set you free. If you're being distracted by the enemy, I want to tell you to stop focusing on the trash. 
that the enemy puts in your mind. If your focus is blurred and distracted and you're not going, you're not going to see beyond the trash and what I have personally, I'm going to go through in a minute in this bag. But if you're focused and trusting in the Lord rather than distracted by the trash, you will be able to see that God is faithful. He is faithful. Do you believe that God is faithful? And that he can, you can trust him with every part of your life. It's time to stop being distracted by our trash and throw it away. We need to stay focused. And this is what the word of God says regarding distraction and focus. Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on this earth. Proverbs 4, 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Psalms 1, delight in the law of the Lord and on his law. He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. For Romans 8 and 5, for all of you who live according to the flesh, Set your minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent and if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Proverbs 2, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good, acceptable, and perfect. First Peter 5 and 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he may devour. Philippians 3 says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. Psalms 123 and 2. Behold, the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, and as the eyes of a maid servant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. 
Joshua 1 and 8. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. First Peter 1 and 13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope for fully on grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Luke 21, 34 and 36 says, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that the day come upon you, you suddenly like a trap. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Hebrews 10:23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful Psalms 144 and 145 and 5 on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wonderful works I will meditate Romans 8 and 6 for the mind set on the flesh is death but the mind set on the spirit is life and it is peace Matthew 6 and 4 says do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself each day has enough trouble on its own Isaiah 43 and 18, do not call to mind the former things. Forget the past. It's over. You cannot do anything about it or ponder on things of the past. Psalms 16, 16 and 8 says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And finally, the last verse is Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Let me tell you tonight, I choose tonight to focus and to put my trust in God's truth and throw away the trash. When my emotions are out of control, which they have been, I'll tell you, I've been up, I've been down, and my security, insecurity is taken over. I will trust in the Lord. When the enemy comes in and says to me, the more I try, the more I fail. I'm not good enough. Just give up and quit. I feel like I'm going crazy. I choose to trust in the Lord. God, what is happening? This COVID, should I take a vaccine? Should I not take a vaccine? Lord, this presidential race and what has happened? There's no hope. Our nation is a mess. Where is God? I choose to trust in God. When the enemy comes in to flood my mind and says, nothing's normal anymore. It's never going to be normal again. 
Your nerves are going to take over you. Stressed out. Depression. Does God even hear me anymore? I choose to trust in the Lord. I will trust him. And I was going to sing this at the end, but I feel like I need to do it now. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise then just to know thus saith the lord jesus jesus how i trust him how i proved him o'er and o'er jesus jesus precious jesus oh for grace to trust him more and i'm so glad that i've learned to trust him precious jesus savior my friend and i know that he is with me oh yes and he'll be with me to the end oh jesus jesus how i trust him how i proved him o'er and o'er jesus jesus precious jesus oh for grace to trust him more just keep playing that john i was gonna do lord's just rearranged this whole thing tonight <laughs> but i have to obey the lord i was gonna have prayer circles i'm not gonna do that but I want everyone that will to find there a place to pray tonight. And here's some things that I want you to pray over. I want you to pray over your minds. I want you to pray for protection over your thoughts. Pray for peace of mind if you're struggling with having peace in your mind. Pray that you would have the mind of Christ in every situation and whoever you come into contact with. Pray your thoughts to line up to God's truth, God's word. The second thing I want you to pray about is distractions. We all have them, but we can't let them take over. We need to pray not to be distracted from your purpose. You have a purpose. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, but the enemy wants to stop you. Pray to keep your vision from being blurred, that you would be alert and aware of the lies of the enemy and trust in the truth of God's word. Pray to keep your focus off your past 
It is over. It is finished. You have a new life in Christ. Pray that the Lord would give you wisdom, clarity, and vision. The third thing is discouragement. If you're in this place and you're discouraged, pray to him not to become weary and to quit. Pray to not focus on those who ridicule or speak negatively about you. Pray to remain strong in the Lord and to keep your eyes on him. Pray that you would not be discouraged by what you see and what you hear. The fourth thing is focus. Pray for the Lord to move, remove distractions that's keeping you from seeing him clearly. Pray that the Lord would give you wisdom. Pray for having a burden for the lost and building the kingdom of God because that's what we're all here for. We're supposed to be light to this world and be about the Father's business. And the last thing is pray for revival. Revival in our land, revival in our church, revival in our nation, revival in your home, revival in your children. So if you would, just come and find your place to pray. And when you're finished, then you are dismissed.